Welcome, welcome, welcome. Sit deck right down, pour yourself a drink, get yourself ready for the final, for now, episode in the Parable series. We may come back to this one again. It's been so much fun. Yes, it has, boys and girls. Uh, my name is Keith Giles. Um, I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm the author of the Jesus Un series, including the recently released Jesus Unforsaken, Forsaking... Um, Oh, what's that book called again? So, Hold on. <laughs> Substituting, Divine Wrath. <laughs> Substituting Divine Wrath with Unrelenting Love. I knew, I knew I'd heard it before. Um, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, Katie, and Derek. Say hi. Hi. I'm Katie Valentine. Uh, I'm the author of uh, Sex, Slavery, and Self-Control, an Appalling Community. Don't worry, Keith. I'm in the middle of moving, and I've found that when one file comes into my brain, another one leaves. And yep. I've written... Many addresses down wrong, many phone numbers down wrong. Forgetting your name of a book, not a big deal because it's already <laughs> written down. You can just That's look right. it up. So, yes. yeah, exactly. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited uh, about this whole series. I'm kind of sad to wrap it up too, but I think this is going to be really fun today. And I am Derek Day, the author of Deconstructing Religion, the author of the Love Minus Religion blog on Patheos and the host and founder of the Forward Podcast on the One Institution Media Network. And I'm excited about this because I actually like parables. It's something of the Bible that I still enjoy. So, so I'm happy to be in this episode, but sad that it's ending. Well, our, our next series, Derek, uh, and I'm Matt DiStefano, but our next series, Derek, you're going to like as well. I know it. I know it. I'm not going to tease it yet, but stay tuned, people. Um, no. I am. Have we already teased it? I don't even know if we've no. announced it. No. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm gonna, mystery. I'm going to. I'm going to keep it hush hush for now. But I am the author of Heretic from the Blood of Abel and a co-author with you, fine folks, of a new book that we have out on choir. You fine folks and and a whole slew of other choir authors. It's called Before You Lose Your Mind: Deconstructing Bad Theology in the Church. And I got to say, if you haven't picked it up yet, you want to go do that. Check out all those reviews on Amazon. If you've read it and haven't given a review, would you take five seconds and do Please. that? Make yes. it five stars, would you? Or we might even feature you on a show if you don't. So watch out. Um, but yeah, 99 cents on Kindle, 9.99 in paperback. Woo-hoo! And uh, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of that project and blessed. Uh, can I use blessed still? Or does anyone Hashtag cringe Hashtag blessed. That? I'm hashtag blessed to be co-authors with y'all. And now that we've introduced all of our wonderful heretics here, it is time again for the Heretic Happy Hour uh, Hotline. And you can exercise your free will with dexterity by dialing 240-343. 7379. Once again, it's 240-343-7379. And today we have a smoking hot text. Oh boy, I'm sweating just thinking about this. But anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. And it reads. Great podcast. 
as I am currently being sucked into the black hole of deconstruction, my ethos is inundated with a nonstop whirlwind of ideas, largely thanks to you. Ah. I can't read Keith's stuff fast enough. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. I've highlighted so much of Matt's heretic that my Kindle has threatened to shut down and my work environment is threatened with the endless background noise of the podcast itself as I seek to cram more into my ever-exploding head. (laughs) (laughs) So just to seek even more devastation, can I ask you to include links in your show notes that I can access further this melt this meltdown (laughs) oh steamy it's easy enough to access brenda's god is gray after she was featured as the heretic of the week for example but what about lending a hand job and guiding me (laughs) to authors slash books slash sources that may be mentioned that is renee somebody etc that I hear mention of during the podcast commute time I get to work or home or after my commute and my brain is filled with thoughts that don't allow me to access your cited sources including that information in a podcast link would be really instrumental to my complete faith annihilation thanks Cheryl I think, uh, Derek, you might need a, a towel or something. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl, thank you for that, just so we could hear Derek read it. Yes, that was, uh, wow. I, you know, actually, that was that was very passionate, very energetic, uh, Derek. Thank you. Listen, Cheryl, thank you. You made my week. <laughs> That's all I could say. You know, uh, it, it, you know, you have a way with words. I, you, you should, you should just... FYI, romance novels. Maybe give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Cheryl, thank you. Um, it's wonderful to have somebody so pathologically, you know, obsessed with our podcast. And we love that. And I'm, I, I'm sort of hesitant to inspire that anymore, to encourage that devotion and, and um, hysteria any further. But it's actually really cool. And, uh, yeah, so glad that you love it so much. And, um, yeah, I guess we could, uh, talk to our producer or someone about maybe going in and maybe adding links whenever we mention, uh, different sources like that. I think like, for example, the Renee, somebody was probably Renee Girard and, uh, probably his book, um, I see Satan fall like lightning and things like that. But yes, going forward, that would probably be a good idea. Yeah. What do you guys think? Whatever makes the most work for our producer is mm-hmm. what I want to see happen. So let's do more yes. books, more, more books, more resources, like really hard to find ones. Yeah. And ask our producer to like, we're like, we're not going to be satisfied mm-hmm. unless we have a really long link list. Yeah, because yeah, we, we know he already doesn't do a lot of work with how professional really, we are and how no seamless every transition That's is. Right. You know. It's like one take, no mistakes. <laughs> The rare and obscure <laughs> book selection. <laughs> Make it so. Oh yeah. We'll do we'll do our best. We can't promise yeah, anything. We'll do our best. And we I think we have a good solution to this. All What's right. That? So Cheryl, 
how I, we we assume that you must be a member of our Facebook group, the free Facebook group accessible to the entire universe, Heresy After Hours. Um, so I'd suggest if there's a resource and we don't have time to link to it um, and it doesn't appear in the show notes the way that you want, just pop a message into Heresy After Hours. Say, hey, what was what was that stuff you guys were talking about? I promise one of us will answer. Um, we will figure it out. We will not go to sleep until you have your answers. But that's a really, really easy way uh, for you or anyone else to reach us. Free Facebook group. It's open to everyone. Well, you have to answer one or two questions that are really funny. Three uh-huh. questions that are really funny. And so everyone should go and apply to be in this. It's exclusive, but free for all Facebook uh-huh. group. That's right. Wait, Katie, way to throw a log on that with sleepless. <laughs> it will, it will, wait, I'm going to quote Cheryl herself because it's such an awesome text. It will add to your ethos of inundated and nonstop whirlwind ideas. That's right. That should be the tagline for the group. Make it so. Make it so. Ethos and eros. Make it so. The so time close. is fulfilled. Yes. Problem solved. Oh, Problem solved, Cheryl. All right. Thank yes, you. awesome. Hey, Cheryl, this is a great, uh, a really great text. We really did love it. it and we love your love and that you are exploring all of this and that you are bringing your coworkers into this vortex with you by listening like to this not. at work. That's well, really awesome. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we would normally say something like, let's turn to our heretic of the week. But this week is really fun. You have not one, not two, not three, but four heretical heretics here at your beck and call. And so we're doing something a little bit different today as we are winding up our parable series. We're not going to have our traditional heretic of the week. Uh, You get a special treat and you are hearing something truly original that's never, ever been heard on air and is not even in print anywhere. Maybe we can put these in print and make a link to it. You know, this is almost like, yeah, it's almost like discovering the, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls. You're like, some these scrolls somewhere in a vase and some pottery kind of deep in the cave somewhere. Um, we have unearthed for you guys new parables never heard before, never heard by man. We had so much fun with this parable series. We thought, you know what? What if we wrote our own parables? Imagine that. Wouldn't that be amazing? So yeah, we thought, let's do that. Now, we don't really all know everybody's parable. Some of us peaked, but some of us didn't. And so anyway, we're, we're going to take turns reading our parables, and then the rest of us will react to the parable, see if we can make sense of it, kind of like we've been doing on this series. Um, and yeah, this should be a lot of fun. It's the gospel, according to the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. And, and I will say they, they found my parable on, uh, on rolling papers, so it's going to be a little hard to read. So yes, ancient go. ancient rolling papers. Ancient rolling papers. Exactly. So who want, who wants to go first? Do you want to just go down the order? Then we got good. here in our notes. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Heretic, heretical parables. I got I got something for y'all. We're gonna see uh, we're gonna see what you think. Here we go. My parable is this: There once were two restaurants on the same block. The first restaurant served huge portions. But the ingredients lacked quality, the dishes lacked finesse, so the taste suffered. The second restaurant used high-quality ingredients, but the portions were too small. Taste was exchanged for presentation. In the first restaurant, people worked hard, but they lacked creative talent and skill. In the second restaurant, creativity abound, but they were not in touch with the common person. 
You who are awake, pay attention. If you have salt but no pepper, your food may not be bland, but it will lack flavor. If you have pepper but no salt, your food may have spice, but it will still taste bland. Too much salt and it will repulse your palate. Too much pepper and you won't enjoy the food. The end. Thus endeth the text. Thus endeth today's reading. Today the reading has been fulfilled in your hearing or whatever. (laughs) Blessed be. Oh, that's, I really like that. I really do. Um. I'm not sure I know what it means. I mean, I kind of do. I mean, I get it. I guess I sort of get the point of it. You know, it's an interesting exercise, right? Because all of a sudden you realize when you have a parable and you go, okay, there's a lesson here. I can see there's something I'm supposed to learn here. But it's also sort of like lacking context, right? Sort of like, well, but I mean, depending on the context, it could mean other things too. So that kind of jumps out at me right away. Like, yeah. If only we could figure out authorial intent. Yeah, if only. But this is this has just come up from the depths of the earth and we, we just, have no yeah. idea who wrote it. I think I understand this. This re- this speaks to me. It resonates with me. Because I think of it in terms of what I like to call sentence spice. AKA profanity. That sometimes a well-used, well-timed bit of profanity actually adds emphasis to an otherwise bland substance. But profanity for the sake of fucking profanity is just absolutely worthless. And that really speaks to my spirit, Matt. I like it. So, you know, I guess what I'm, I'm drawn to do, and maybe this is a mistake, but it's to sort of figure out like, so who are the people or who, what is being referred to as, you know, what is represented as the restaurant that serves huge portions, but with a lack of quality? I mean, other than like norms or something, that's what pops in my mind, like a real restaurant, but um, something where like, because we're going to standing, I'm assuming it sort of stands for something in, in contrast to the other restaurant that uses better ingredients, but with but the but it's more about the presentation. So I guess in one sense, right, you could say, I'm doing, here I am doing, this is, this is my, my Bible, uh, Bible training here. So it's sort of like, okay, both restaurants fail in the same way. They're both trying to accomplish something, but they're both kind of failing to do, which is like the main thing you would think a restaurant would care about, which is the taste, right? So the first restaurant, it's more about, we give you a lot of it, but there's not much taste here. The second one gives you a little bit, and it's more about how beautiful it looks, but it's still not about how it tastes. So both restaurants fail. They just fail in different ways. And the ultimate thing is like, what's missing is, I guess, sort of a third restaurant that says, hey, listen, we don't care about how it looks. We're not concerned about how much we slop onto your plate. The main thing is when you bite into this, whatever we serve, you're going to go, whoa, this is the best thing I've ever eaten. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that it's trying to contrast sort of two different kinds of things. One that's more about quantity over quality. One that's more about quality, but still not about the taste. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, there's a couple of things I'm appreciating about this parable. One is I think when, um, parables often have subtle, subtle or sometimes not so subtle call outs to the past. And so like when I heard this, I immediately thought of the Sermon on the Mount and salt and light of the earth, like uh, the 
a salt that loses its saltiness will have no, I can't remember the exact quote now. Um, we, t- we covered it in the Sermon on the Mount series uh, right. 100 years yeah. ago, but yes. um, it kind of has these subtle call outs to like, or um, I don't know if they're intentional or not, but sometimes that's not even the point, right? That made me think of those verses about salt and you are the salt of the earth um, with the talk about salt and pepper. Yeah. So uh, th- see, that's the other interesting thing about the parable too, is that I-, I could almost break it into two, into halves. Like the first part about the two restaurants and contrasting them, if you just stop right there, um, that works by itself. And then, but the, the, the second half of it kind of ends with a proverb, not a parable. Like to me, this is more like a proverb. If you have salt but no pepper, your food may be bland, but it will like flavor. If you have pepper but no salt, your food will have spice, but will still taste bland. And like, so to me, like that whole thing feels more like a proverb. And I don't mean that in a critique. It's more of like, I, I like that. If, and again, it feels like that proverb is attempting to bring more clarity to that first analogy. But yeah, really interesting. Maybe it is trying to do that, Katie. Maybe it is trying to, you know, harken back to the whole idea about salt. I don't know. Well, I don't know if it's, I mean, to me, this is kind of part of the fun, whether intentional or not, it does. Right. Right. So it like, it led me to the, it just kind of made me think, I guess, about those verses. But I love the, um, the ending because I'm expecting, because parables should kind of con, um, have a, make us have a little internal conflict with our expectations. Um, and this one does because I'm expecting the last sentence. I'm expecting another sentence. So the last two sentences are too much salt and it will repulse your palate, too much pepper and you won't enjoy your food. And then I'm really wanting a so, comma, have That's a beautiful lost. balance, have See, a something, was, that, something. Yeah, that was lost in the papyrus. Um, that part right. was broken <laughs> off and we don't really have a, an interpretation. That's missing, yeah. I think the author smoked that part. <laughs> <laughs> just tore that off and rolled it, yeah. <laughs> but uh, well done. I mean, I, I like that parable. That's really good. So the only thing I'll say about it is that if you want to help interpret the parable, do so in the Facebook group. There you go. Or... Call in on the hotline. And Derek gave you the number earlier. So uh, give us your interpretation. And that's all I'm going to say about it. That's a great idea. Actually, after this after this podcast, we should copy and paste our individual parables into the group so people can read them and look at them and examine them yeah. and then ask them to give us their interpretations. That can be a lot of fun. Yeah. And sure. we're deliberately not having um, authorial intent or comments on uh, each of the parables. So as you all discerned, uh, Matt wrote uh, that beautiful salt and pepper uh, parable. And so we're we're going to discuss and interpret and talk about its impact on us without necessarily getting a response from the author. And y'all, this is exactly how we kind of read and interpret the Bible. Um, we oh. don't have the authors to kind of talk back to give us their opinion. So it's really up to us, the readers. So uh, we're practicing yeah. a little bit of like reader response criticism uh right here in front of you nice we ready for parable two yeah bring, bring it all on. right i think this bring is mine it. so keith you kind of it is it is not about a harp though unfortunately i should have done that uh yeah and so i this one does have a uh some broken pages in it and so i'll let i will let the readers know when that occurs so here it is Uh, A woman goes to her mirror, happy to see her reflection. She leans in a little closer and notices a hair growing where hair shouldn't be on her face. Not the peach fuzzy hair, but a long, bristly one. She plucks it. A week later, she comes back. That hair is gone, but she notices another one, this time in the crease between... There's a gap in the text. We don't know where it is. So, But like two lines later, hard to spot. (laughs) 
She is alarmed. She plucks it and feels relieved. She comes back in two days and notices yet another long hair growing on her upper arm. She decides to leave it be and see how long it will get. Many more hairs grow and many women everywhere. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm going to back up. She decides to leave it be and see how long it will get. Many more hairs grow and many women everywhere let them. They look in the mirror and feel. And unfortunately, the text cuts off right here. Oh, damn it. Oh, that uh, was the, uh, the punchline. Come on now. What's going what's gonna to happen there? Okay, well, really interesting. So again, it's sort of the thing of like, without the context, right? Like it's, we don't have it like we do. At least Jesus sometimes says the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells this parable. So we don't know if this parable is trying to tell us something about human nature or about the human condition or about say, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really tough, right? It's really hard without that. It's really tough to, to kind of connect those dots. However, I mean, if I think of it in the sense of like, maybe like a Jesus thing of like the kingdom of God is like, and I'm not sure that is what that is. Um, but you could look at it like maybe the kingdom is like this hair, which kind of, it grows and um, you don't intend for it to. And even if you pull it out, it pops up somewhere else. Now there's two of them. Um, and then eventually the person, and I'm assuming this would be wisdom, the person, the, the woman decides, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to try and stop it. I'm not going to try and control it. I'm just going to let it be what it wants to be. That's kind of what I get out of it. Yeah, I noticed the uh, I noticed the mimesis there. I mean, you've got the mirror imaging, right? And then you've got the woman lets it go. Many women everywhere also follow suit. So there is this um, the, there is this uh, this understanding that the author certainly understood human nature and human behavior. And uh, understanding that we are mimetic. I I will say that um, to be a little bit literal, if we fight against our bodies and against the things that happen as we age, I find these little uh, little ear hairs or the one that really pisses me off is like on the top of the nose or the long nose hairs that come out (laughs) and plucking them is a bitch. It hurts. Oh, yeah. Um, But I don't I don't want that out of my nose. No. But but just embrace the process. Yeah. So like when she first uh, she, when she first finds it, she she's like, uh, what is it? Uh, what does it say? Um, a little hair that shouldn't be on her face. Uh, she's shocked by it. I think right. Yeah. Initially, um, initially she's alarmed. Yes. Uh, the text says she's alarmed. Don't be alarmed by it. Just go with the process of if you want to if you want to take care of it, take care of it. If you want to let it go, let it go. But don't don't fight against. Uh, what happens with our bodies. I'm going to take a long ball approach to this. Long, and, and long that, ball it, baby. Yep. Yep. He, from, from the, from the 20, heave ho, baby. Here we go. Two words that describe life. Shit happens. <laughs> and sometimes things happen and you take the appropriate actions to deal with it. And yet, and still, it happens again, and again, and again. So, what happens when shit happens repetitively, iteratively? Well, when you realize that you can't eradicate it, you then have to craft a strategy, 
to cope with it, to deal with it. And since we don't, we, we, we see that the text is broken, we don't have the full rendition of the parable, that we just have to come to the conclusion that uh, there is another three-letter word pertaining to life, and that's deal with it. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's true. I like um, I like that thought of it, uh, like maybe summarizing it as, as you did, like shit happens. And because, because like, I think the way the parable is saying, if that is what the parable is saying, it's like, you know, all you can do is react after it happens. Like you can't do anything to really stop it from happening. You can't, there's, you can't control these things. Things are just going to happen. Um, and in, and initially, of course, you do want to sort of manage those things. And eventually wisdom is that you kind of go, you know, I can't control these things at all, right? I, I should just let these things be. And um, what is it? Epictetus or Epictetus, whatever the philosopher is, his, his great thing was that he realized that, you know, the, there's only, only that you shouldn't worry about things you can't control. And, you know, there's Epicurious. Epi, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you Epictetus. Can, it's an Epictetus. Epictetus. It's, it's Epictetus. Epictetus. Epi- Epictetus. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Epicurious. Never mind. Yes. That's Epicurious. The, the Bloody Mary's kicking. I think it's somebody else. <laughs> yeah. So he basically said, right, that um, that there's two sets of things that happen in the world. There's things that you can control and things you can't. And, you know, it's, it makes no sense to worry about the things you can't control. Uh, you could really only focus on the things that you can control. And then, But he came down to the realization that the only two things anyone can ever control is their own actions and their own thoughts. And, and then when you really simplify it to that, it kind of does make it easier for you to just like say, I'm not going to worry about that because it's not something I can control. What I can't control are my thoughts and my actions and let everything else kind of slide. So maybe it is, maybe that's kind of a, maybe that's parables kind of sharing that wisdom with us. Well, and I think, uh, I think what's important is that we can, we can focus in on so-called flaws because when she when she first looks in the mirror, she's happy to see her reflection. It's when she focuses in on little little minute details. Sometimes we get a little too pedantic with things. Like step back and 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 see the broader picture. It's not it's not as bad. I mean, if you if you want to if you want to focus in, you can see little blemishes, you can see little warts in life, and and we can think those are, are necessarily bad or those are uh, imperfections. But let's just step back and see the broader picture, and it's it's often not as bad as you'd think. That's a great one too, because it is that idea, right? Of whatever it is you're looking for is what you're going to see. So if you're always looking for a demon under every rock, you are going to see demons everywhere, right? If you're looking for sinfulness in people, you're always going to find a reason to say they're a sinner. Um, so yeah, maybe that's maybe that's another way to look at it too. Which is which is which what makes this parable so awesome is that there are so many different ways we could look at it and approach it, and in many ways, it's not that hard to say this parable means this or that. What's what's frustrating about this parable, I will say, is that it's like that. Uh, I forget which Gnostic gospel where it's like Jesus is about to kiss someone, and it's oh. and it like cuts off right. It's yeah. the it, it's like it's right like right at the good juicy part. Man. It's like either Philip or Mary or something like that. He's about to kiss Philip or Mary. No, no, it's in the Gospel of Philip. I think <laughs> no, that, that it's, he turns in. I thought it was. I thought it was in Mary's. Is is like the uh, or maybe it's in Mary Magdalene. I don't know. I think it is. But I thought it was in another one that that, that wasn't. I don't know. This is how much I know. Okay. No, yeah, I liked it. I liked it too. Are we ready to go well, on to the next parable? Derek, are you are you with us? 
Yes, okay. of course I'm with you. All right. Till the I end of our days. <laughs> thank you, Katie. You just gave me to it. God damn it. <laughs> you stole my bit. <laughs> I'm the narrator here now. <laughs> All right. So imagine, if you will, the Lord Jesus is with his disciples and he's asking them, What does the kingdom of God mean to you? And so he turns to a young lad and asks the young lad, what is your understanding of the kingdom of God? The lad kind of dumbfounded, looks around, and he says, well, once upon a time, my aunt, she fought against the Amalekites. She took a drink of a distilled beverage and went into their ranks and relieved 500,000 men of their foreskins until the blade of her knife broke. Get it, girl. Then she wielded the jawbone of an ass consumed a malt beverage, and then utterly destroyed 20,000 Philistine mercenaries until her jawbone was reduced to a nub. Then she took the wineskins of the Philistines, drank them dry, and beat a Roman legion into submission with her bare hands. And Jesus said, whoa, lad, what does this have to do with the kingdom of God? To which the lad replied, I don't know, Lord. All I know is that my aunt's a complete badass and you shouldn't fuck with her when she's been drinking. Oh, boy. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that we can go from Amalekites to Romans. Yes, to she's Jesus. a time traveler. Don, yes. yes, everything. Oh, New Testament. Hey, we, we covered the gamut of I scripture. I love it. <laughs> wow. I'm not messing with her. Yeah, don't, don't mess. The bottom line is don't mess with his aunt when she's drunk. <laughs> and see, this one kind of explains it. It kind of gives us the thing at the end, right? Here's, here's, here's the meaning of this parable. Don't mess with his aunt when she's, when she's been drinking. But is there a deeper meaning? Is there something we're not seeing here or some other, some other things we can learn, uh, wisdom we could extract from the parable? Hey, there, there's always got to be wisdom. Um, I will, I will say that, uh, I found this hilarious, and in the kingdom of God, what what this has to do with the kingdom of God is there's a sense of humor. Is we right. got to tell we got to tell funny stories. Yes, yes, I like that. That is true. I, uh, so in the in the vein of parables, like shock, and they have kind of this exorbitance to them. Like I love that about this parable. There's just huge numbers. I'm kind of like when we were doing when we were talking about the parable of the. Uh, Oh, which one was it now? It's kind of is, is escaping me. Um, oh, of the, of the talents, right? It was huge sums of money, right? Like this is huge numbers, 50,000 men, 20,000 Philistines. And like the lad is like uh, whittling his jawbone down to a, yeah, down to a, uh, down to a nub here. But I will say the, like the first thing kind of like with the previous parable or two parables ago with the salt. I mean, the thing that gets me here is like the foreskins. It has such imagery. Uh, for sort of biblical parallels and uh, such a sort of obsession kind of in, in both Testaments, really, right? And so it's this um, mark in the parable of uh, ritual, uh, like rit- ritual warfare kinds of things. And so, you know, what's what's being described there makes, and I, lo- I love it that it's done in this kind of humorous way, right? Like we're not supposed, to me anyway, it's calling me not to take it literally, but yeah, just have some fun with it, like Matt was saying. Well, and I, I, I think there's, uh, to me, it's all, it's almost like a, um, 
It's like fuck the patriarchy and fuck what we think of as power. Yes. You've got the imagery of foreskins, you know, a penis. You've got you've got mercenaries. You've got Amalekite armies. I'm guessing. And you and, and it reminds me of like my my Sicilian grandmother, God rest her soul. Like all the toughness, all the masculinity you got. Like don't fuck with her. Uh, she'll hit you with a marinara soaked spatula, and it's not going to feel good, right? So it's like this. It's this idea that. You can have all the armies in the world, but to answer Beyonce's question, who run the world? Girls. Mm-hmm. And there is there is kind of a, a um, an, how do you how do you say it? An uh, analogy um, or something to even some of the parables Jesus tells, in the, in the sense, like what you're saying, Matt, about how you know you have this great strength, right? These the Amalekites, you know, five hundred thousand Amalekites or twenty thousand Philist- Philistine mercenaries, and so these are. A legion, numbers. a legion of army, right? Yeah, a legion, a legion of Rome. Right. Yeah. And, and yet this this young, I don't know if she's young or old, but this, this little woman basically all by herself uh, is so filled with, you know, passion and uh, and her, whatever strength or righteousness, whatever you want to say it. She, she, even she by herself is able to overcome these great numbers of men and strength and everything. So there is that sort of kingdom thing. Jesus often would portray the kingdom as being this very small thing that yeah, is able to overcome and transform you know huge things move mountains and uh and all that stuff so there is there is stuff in here that you know i think you could look at it in a serious way and say well wait this is like the kingdom maybe right you would in other words you wouldn't look at this this aunt and say yeah i believe she could take on that many amalekites or this many philistine mercenaries and yes she does so so one one of the things i'm having fun with is i think it might be fun to parse some of the wording just for a moment um, because it, I did a double take and I want to know what readers, uh, li- other listeners may have encountered. So in the middle of the story, the aunt, we, uh, she wielded the jawbone of an ass, consumed a malt beverage, then utterly destroyed 20,000 Philistine mercenaries until her jawbone was reduced to a nub. We'll say when I first heard it, I thought I thought immediately like it's her jawbone on her face. No, no, it's, it's the not, jawbone of the ass. Right, yeah, yeah but yeah. that's part of the fun. <laughs> right. Like that's part of the fun because it's not the jawbone. And so does the her refer to the person or the donkey? Right. Mm. And so this is like some of the things in text, you know, that we do. And then I have this like reader's privilege. I just say I heard it for the first time just now. I didn't um, I didn't I, I, I did not. I heard it as the let their ears hear. Uh, but I'm reading it right now. So I'm have the, I have the privilege of having the ancient text right in front of me. Um, but when it was read out loud. I heard the last sentence, the kind of proverb at the end. Uh, I know my aunt is a complete badass and you shouldn't fuck with her. But on page on the page, it says <laughs> my aunt is a complete badass and you shouldn't fuck her while she's been drinking. I, <laughs> That's true. And that I was reading good. along. That I was like, well, what's, where are we going with this? And so no, you know the, what? the addition like, was hopeful. I like going back to the original Greek here. And I think <laughs> in the original text, it does read that way. And that's the way we should translate it. The scribe just came in oh, and made an insertion. Yeah, it's just been redacted. <laughs> it's been redacted by the oh author. By the author. It's been inspired by by the spirit of Derek. It's, it might be a later scribe, yeah. <laughs> you know what I like? That, you know what? <laughs> That's great. I didn't even catch that when I read through it. Um, I like that that Jesus learned something about the kingdom of God in this story. It's flipped, right? Normally, the Jesus yeah. tells the parable about yeah. the kingdom of God. And in this one, it's like, oh, no, Jesus... Our Jesus in the evangelical world 
is um, like a docetic Jesus. He's not really human. It's like he doesn't learn as he grows or yeah. as he goes through life. He doesn't grow up. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't fumble around like humans do. But in this one, it's like Jesus learns something here. He learns about, oh, he could probably parse this out and go, oh, this, this does have something to do with the kingdom of God, you know, if, if I think about it. It's subversive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all those things that uh, we would get from a parable. And now with uh, with the modern technology, it's been redacted on the spot. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> See, it's the spirit moves in mysterious ways, yes. Uh, indeed. Maybe yeah. this aunt is Mary Magdalene. Maybe. Yeah. Just a thought. Could be. Just a thought. Could be. That's right. All right, are we ready to move on to the last one? Yeah. Let's All right, it. so this, was, uh, this is my parable. Um, not as funny and probably not as colorful as as you guys but uh here you go but in short notice i wrote this probably like an hour and a half ago so this is hot off the press parable here okay there was a wise man who told the people when wisdom comes to you you will share your bread and your water with everyone who is hungry and thirsty the people looked around and saw that no one around them was sharing their food or their water so they decided to wait and pray for that day when this wisdom would finally come and then everyone who was thirsty would drink and everyone who was hungry would eat The people sang songs about that day when this wisdom might come. They searched the skies for signs of the coming of this wisdom. Eventually, those who were thirsty died, and those who were hungry wasted away. And the people continued to wait and sing and pray. I almost feel like it's a moral tale for our times. It is indeed. It it has the shock value, because I'm like, well, wait, that's it? (laughs) Everyone died at the end. And... I lo- I love this because there was a question in um, it might have been in the Heresy After Hours about prayer. Do you pray? Do you still pray? What do you think of prayer? And I was like, my response was something to the effect of, "There's too many hungry people or hungry children in the world for me to think that prayer works." And that's just where I'm at, right? I know we've interviewed Mark Karras and Thomas J. Ord, and they have answers to these things. But in the worst form of prayer. This is what we do. We continue to wait for signs and wonders and wisdom and this and that. And the things that need to be done now are glossed over. They're missed and people suffer in the process. Maybe we're the wisdom. Maybe the wisdom is already here and we should get off our ass and do something. I think that what this parable is telling us that there are always needs around you. And you can prayerfully ignore them because at some point you believe that prayer is effectual, that prayer actually does something. In the meantime, everything is falling apart around you. People are dying of thirst, wasting away. And our take is, and this is the modern church. Well, let God work it out. Trust in the Lord. Well, you know, if you look throughout history, you'll see that the Lord, the Lord of the Bible, is largely ambivalent and largely unconcerned with the plight of suffering of humanity. So I, I look at this and I say, you know, this this is really, this is a parable 
for the ages is an indictment of the apathy of humanity toward the sufferings of its fellows. So the you know parables are um, coming to call us to action. I think part of where I can feel called to action, and this is this is based on an uh, uh, an exegetical conversation among the conversation we just had, as well as with the text. Um, but if it calls us to action, for me, it's the um, it calls me to reflect on my attitude towards prayer um, in a conversation with our Facebook group too. But for me, I think my conclusion is somewhat different. Prayer is as effectual as it prompts me to action. So it calls me to not see prayer as a slot machine. As for what I put my coin in, I pull the lever and then I get what I want. Um, prayer is the thing that keeps me up at night to go feed someone, um, to enact, to, to be that wisdom, to have that wisdom conferred. Um, and so the the other thing that just kind of keeps on um, really running across my head is the um, where is wisdom to be found? Is she in the streets? You know, this kind of search for wisdom uh, that we have, especially in the, like in Proverbs in the Old Testament um, and other places too. Um, and that like, where where is where is wisdom? Like, where can wisdom be found? I, and I love that there's not an answer to that here. Um, and so that leaves me, and that leaves me in the position of still seeking. I'm still seeking that wisdom and doing it in a way that's maybe yeah, counterintuitive. I think about um, this idea of the second coming. And I think we wait for a second temple man named Jesus to fall out of a spaceship and land, you know, among us <laughs> and say, behold, I am he. And I really think to, I mean, to, to where I'm at now is that I see all of us as Christ and Christ returns. Christ is returned when we actually embody that and embrace that and lean into it and do the work that one of the fellow Christ's Jesus did. When we alleviate suffering, when we include others, when we help the homeless, when we donate to the preemptive love coalition, places like that. When, when we do the work that is trying to end, end injustices, war, racism, bigotry, all that, that's the second coming of Christ. Stop, stop waiting for it. Yep. The, the second coming of Christ is the awakening of humanity to the reality of love. That short of that. Wait, put that shit on I, a shirt, Derek. <laughs> Come on now. Note to producer. Note to producer. Let's uh, make a, it so. That's a quote right there. But the, 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 the thing is, is that if we, listen, if we don't have basic empathy and compassion for the person standing next to us, even if that person is someone who we dislike, someone who we disagree with, if we don't have that, until that happens, the second coming of Christ is merely a theological myth. Mm. Yep. Um, Matt, I have a question about your earlier interpretation. You said second temple Jesus. What did you mean? Well, the Jesus who lived in the second temple period. Got it. Okay. First We're century waiting. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So like that your, um, 
your critique is of people who are waiting on that Jesus to like return. Right, like the, the literal, his, the historical, okay. yeah, the historical yeah, Jesus, yeah, like, yeah. like he's going to show up, uh, you know, white, white, white guy. The sky. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon, I'm just, I'm just checking my reception history. Do it. Like we do from interpretations from days of yore or minutes of yore in this case. Cool parable. Yeah, this was cool. Thank you. I, I really love where you guys, you know, what's really, really cool. I'm sure you guys experienced this too. What's really cool is to like sit here and listen to you guys like thinking about it and bouncing around and, and exploring different avenues. Some some of you sometimes you took it places I wasn't intending. That was still really cool. And sometimes you were like nailing it. And I was like, okay, they got it. And I'm and I'm and it made me think, and this is something that's kind of missing for us in the gospels, right? Uh, it made me think about I bet it was like cool, because I'm pretty sure Jesus, after he did one of his, you know, parables. You know, it's all over. The crowds go home. He and the he and the disciples build a fire. They're hanging out under a tree somewhere, getting ready to go to you know, sleep for the night. And and I'll bet he listened to them doing the exact same thing with his parables, right? Bouncing this around. What do you think that means? No, it doesn't mean that. It means this. And that's kind of cool. It's kind of it's kind of a cool thing to see people, you know, to experience people sort of wrestling with ideas and trying to work it out. And what I love is that Jesus was someone who was cool enough to let people work it out. He wasn't quick to say, here's the answer, other than that one parable that he explains. All the others, he just tells it and walks on. And he's really cool and really comfortable letting people, you know, chew on it, think about it, um, and work it out for themselves. That's really awesome. I really love that we have a God that trusts, he gave us a brain and, and allows us to use it. Wait, we're supposed to use our brain? Yeah, imagine that. And thus concludes the canon <laughs> of the heretic happy hour gospel. Because, you know, people people have suggested, you know, that we're such heretics that maybe we would write our own Bibles if we don't like the Bible. Like, this was a good idea, guys. We, we made a good yeah. We I think we've got, you know, these first four parables would make a, a nice introduction to a gospel uh, we could come up with. And we let's keep going. Let's keep writing our own scripture. I smell another book in the making. <laughs> let's do it. Well, oh, no, I, yeah. Oh, sorry, Katie, go for it. Oh, well, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask what's, um, what's been everyone's like a, a takeaway or two, kind of of the series of exploring parables, and um, one for me, I think, was just illustrated. And again, it's, it is just kind of fun to listen to your own be uh, bandied about, but um, it, re, for me, it just reinforces and continues to um, call me to explore the idea that there's not, there's not the meaning, there's not a meaning, there's just, there's many. Um, there's many and that they can be nuanced and uh, go in different directions that can be many can be correct. I think I think I think it destroys the the silly notion of the flat Bible reading, the uh, the plain meaning of the text. And it's like when you got a main character of a book called the Bible and he speaks in riddles and parables and mystery and he's trying to shock people out of their complacency you're not going to have the Bible's clear. It's like, no, we could, we could wrestle on all of our parables. We wrestled for a good 30, 45 minutes on each of them. We didn't come up with a conclusion per se. We invite listeners of the show to, you know, call in, join the Facebook groups, talk about these parables. And we could do that for weeks and months and not come up with the meaning because that would be to miss the point. Because that's a great point, Matt. It's sort of like, okay, think about it. If your end goal is to make sure that you're communicating in a way that people only get the one meaning that you that they must get, 
there's only one thing to understand about this, then you would never you go to the parables as a, as a tool to teach that because you're inviting multiple views. You're inviting it, the way we just did it in this exercise, right? The four of us wrote these parables. We probably had a general idea of what we wanted to communicate in the parable, but obviously that one idea is one of many ideas that people come away with. And, and so it's like, it's again, it's like, it's like Jesus intention was not because if it was to just say, I want you to only know this one thing and I'm just going to, he would just say it because that's the only way to make sure that everyone gets it. But, it, but if you're, if you're open with the idea of like that wisdom is something I'm thinking of it sort of like, it's kind of like this whole idea of art, right? You know, art is the, um, the artist creates a work of art, but it's not complete until someone observes it. Someone reacts to it. Someone responds to it. And everyone has a different reaction to that art. And there's no wrong reaction, right? It's your reaction. It's a genuine reaction. And what you bring to it as the observer completes that process. And, and it, to me, that's kind of like, what's happening with parable parables are a way for the teacher to sort of artistically and creatively create something that creates some kind of a response that pulls forth wisdom from within the observer but it doesn't dictate what that what that wisdom has to look like or sound like i love that you know i recall uh, an an exercise from my freshman college comp class uh, where the teacher gave all 40 students the outline we were not charged with developing our own outline. We were develop, uh, charged with develop, uh, developing our own papers. And from this single outline, 40 unique papers came from it. So, so the thing is that even if we have the framework, the interpretation and the response to it is going to be unique for each one approaching it. And the other thing, is that in the case of our parables today, we have the benefit of being able to actually ask the author. Yeah, we've refrained. Yeah, we've refrained. No, no we, we did. <laughs> but, 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 but we could, you know, yeah. we're going, we're going to put this in the group and, and people are going to assess what we wrote and they're going to, con they're going to come to their own conclusions on what these parables mean to them. And, and so I, I'm, I'm expecting, you know, many, many dozens of different responses to each of these parables. And, and I think that that's, that's actually beautiful. And, and if we, if Bible scholarship really happened that way, instead of happening in silos or in booths, I think we'd have a better interpretation of what scripture is actually trying to say. I will say Bible interpretation has to be read before it can, <laughs> um, before it can be disseminated in wisdom uh, when, when there is wisdom. Uh, there's, there's definitely not a consensus. Um, but one of the things that I'm just laughing at this because uh, I agree, like we do, we do have like the authors we, we could ask, like we can say, what did you mean by this? Um, so I'm thinking of the song that's done to the old Irish tune, um, that song, it's just, it has this horrific anti-Semitism in it, uh, Lord of the Dance. I danced in the morning when the world was begun. Da, 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 da. Okay, this song was completely written like in the 70s. 
the the lyrics are written in the seventies, but the, I can't tell you how many people have uh, you know sing it at retreats, um, all this all the stuff. All these people are like, oh, this author he found this ancient text, he found an ancient poem, put it to music. They find the composer of the song. No, I made this up myself. Like in the seventies, it's an inspired piece of music. No, 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 it's found from an ancient manuscript. And so people, even with the author, sometimes saying what it means, people like will read other things into it, which is the beauty and the uh, and the curse. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the blessing and the curse all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember listening. Uh, an, it was an interview with uh, a, a mu- an artist, a musician, um, and he never included lyrics in his albums. When he put his albums out, he would never have a lyric sheet. And he said, and someone asked him about an interview, like why he did that, and he said because he so many times after a concert, someone would come up to him afterwards with tears in their eyes and say. You don't know what that song, this one song that you have means to me, because when you sing this line and they would quote it to him, it just, you know, it's so beautiful and it, and it speaks to what my experience and blah, blah, blah. And they'd walk away and he'd like, I, that line isn't in that song, but it was to them. And it's, you know, like, I don't want to tell them they're wrong. I'm not going to say, well, no, that's not what I said. I actually said this. So he loved that so much that, that people got to like, own the song like the they they were able to pull out of it the, you know what they needed in it and and i kind of feel, almost feel that way like about our parables like yeah we could go around and say well here's what i meant but frankly it's more fun <laughs> to not tell you because then it's like no i think people thinking about it and chewing on it and digging out finding some truth or wisdom that that means something to them that's more powerful than no 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 put that away throw that aside let me tell you what it means. Well, if I'm going to do that, I should just tell you what it, what it means. I just forget the parable. But maybe for our Patreon supporters, we should do that. We it should might be tell fun. them. Yeah, it might be fun to reveal it in the uh, bonus round. Yeah. Bonus! Authors will speak. Authors yes. shall speak. Um, I, one thing that, uh, that I was thinking about regarding our parables is, uh, which parable was it? The, the, the soil, the rocky soil, the good soil? Listen to listen to scholars, because Katie, I never knew this that there's a scholar out there, and I you'll you'll know the name. I forget. Oh, Marianne uh, Tolbert. Boom! Right there. We'll Look put at it her. in the links. Put it in the links. We'll put it, sewing for, the gospel for, is the name of the book. Yeah, for you, Cheryl. That the listeners are the good <laughs> soil. That the listeners are. I mean, the readers of the text are the good soil. That is something I had never heard, and it just made me think. Like, we have such a anti-intellectualism posture in much of the church. And with that posture, we will never get these wonderful nuggets from scholars and from people who know more than us. And it's just, I mean, it's just arrogance. It's just arrogance. And I think maybe some laziness, but we got, you know, when we have scholars that are at our, at our disposal, <laughs> we, when we have uh, friends who we know, when we, when we can talk about these things and almost like mid-rash around what these things mean, there's so much more meaning. And there's so much, you know, it's like, if someone were to ask me, what's the meaning of life? I'd say there is no meaning of life. Because once I, once I say the meaning, there's a meaning of life, you've limited it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the parables. There's no meaning. Go make the meaning. Mm. Yeah, mm. I like that. Me too. Yeah, that's why I've loved this series so much. This has been so much fun. Um, and I know if we, there are so many parables we didn't do, plenty enough for at least one more, maybe even two more series on this topic. Um, but we also don't want this to turn into the Heretic Happy Hour Parables podcast. So at some point, we do we do have to move on to our next uh, our next series. But this has been a blast. 
Should we tease out the next series, or are we just going to go in tabula rasa or whatever? I honestly can't remember what it was supposed to be, so yeah, I don't care if you want to talk about it. I'm sure at some point we talked about it, but I can't remember what it was going to be. Yeah, that's an old man, Derek, too. So, Katie, Matt, do you remember? I do remember. All right, my my girl, right there. All right, do you, should, do you want to tease it out? I'll tease it out. We're going to talk a little more about scripture and like kind of some bullshit stories, some crazy stories, stories that like don't make a lot of sense and like how to make sense of them. So, we're porn. Yeah, what was it? Porn. Bible porn. Bible porn. porn. Solomon. Okay. Onan. There's- uh, there's all sex and the yeah everything like so yeah so we're gonna talk be talking about some crazy stories of the Bible we're not gonna tell you exactly which ones but like the ones that we find to be just some kind of bullshit some kind of bullshit in there yeah and porn it's coming back to me now I do remember now yes it's all coming yeah. back coming yes. back to me now Gicko Biloba I can't Gicko. I can't remember my grandmother's address but I can remember that well, thank you for <laughs> I, saving yes. us Katie <laughs> well. I am so excited that uh, we did this series, and I'm excited for the next one, too, because it's going to be fun to talk about all those funny things. But in the meantime, if you are listening to this show and you cannot get enough of our beautiful Heretics of the Week, and you want to read some of their books, go to heretichappyhour.com. Go to the bookstore. It's at the top of the page. Click that link. Browse the books and pick one up or two or five or all of them. Most of them are 15% off of retail. They support the show. And you will get uh, a, a chance to look deeper into the work of our wonderful Heretics of the Week. So go check that out. Again, it's heretichappyhour.com. And we've said it once already today. We'll say it again. We'd love to have you in our Facebook group, Heresy After Hours. You've heard all the amazing things. You can interpret. You can ask. There's great memes that come through. Uh, lots of really thoughtful questions. And all four of us are there uh, interacting. So just apply for your membership today and find out what those three questions are uh, that we ask every heretic who joins. That's right. And if you love the Heretic Happier podcast, and I'm sure you do if you made it this far, um, and you would like to support us, oh my goodness, we have so much opportunity for you to do so. Listen, would you like extra interview footage of some of our Heretics of the Week? Done. Would you like bonus podcast footage of uh, continuous con- you know, conversations that continue on after the podcast is over? Done. I mean, would you like... Um, I don't know, PDS of some of our books, you got it. Would you like a quarterly Zoom call? Sold. Would you like to be the actual heretic of the week sometime? We have a tier for that. And so uh, head on over to patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. Uh, choose your poison, pick something great um, and support the podcast. We will be so grateful. And for those of you who already do support us, you know who you are. We love you. We love you, love you, love you. And in addition to all that, you, as a Patreon supporter, get exclusive access to a, an exclusive Facebook group for the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, available only to our Patreon supporters. Thank you. And if you like, love, enamored with, or hot and bothered by the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, give us a five-star rating on iTunes. And in doing so, you will become a parable and not a proverb. And can I just say this? Just just look out for something that's coming next Monday. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Or did it already, or did it already happen? No, no never mind. It already happened. But keep looking. Keep looking. Something might happen. Something did happen. Keep Tuesday. looking up. Tuesday. Monday, Tuesday. I don't know. 
One of those days. Jesus will crack the sky. And they, and they say that I'm the old man who can't remember things. God damn. All my days run into one another.